Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen. Thank you for joining us a day later than usual in the offseason. March Madness kind of affects the recording schedule just a little bit. I am addicted to it. I like watching the games. I didn't want to have a conflict, so we pushed back to Monday. And hey, we got a lot of free agent signings today on Monday. Uh, But joining me today... Bradford is off watching the Oilers play hockey, which jealous gets to go see Connor McDavid. Pretty cool. And Mason for Buffalo is dealing with some dad duty tonight. So joining me back on the podcast, an old friend, the man, myth, legends, Trey Watkins. Trey, what is good, my man? How you doing? Doing all right, man. Just living, <laughs> living life, I guess, man. That's all you can do at this point. Just live. Yeah, I feel that, my man. Uh, we don't need to get too much into that, though. I wanted to start with this. Uh, today on Twitter, just recently, Ari Mirov put out a, a tweet, um, re- uh, quote tweeting, Cam Newton, who is going to throw at Auburn's Pro Day. Cam Newton's kind of been out of our lives for a little while, Trey. It feels like we haven't talked about Cam Newton in maybe two years now. He wasn't really in the league last season. Uh, obviously, the injuries have been a huge issue for him, but he's he's back throwing at Auburn's Pro Day. Do you think any of these scouts take a look at him and say, hey, maybe, maybe that's a high-quality backup to have? But, I mean, I think maybe. Like, what? What are we doing at this point? Like in the NFC title game, we've got Josh Johnson. We are, we're forced to watch Josh Johnson in the NFL title game, but Cam Newton can't get a cushy backup job somewhere. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I've been on the loop on Cam Newton ever since he left the Panthers for a second time, and that second Panther showing wasn't all that great. Granted, that situation was insanely dysfunctional and insanely toxic, so I'm willing to cut him some slack there. But based on what we've seen recently from Cam, um, he's not starter quality, but backup quality, uh, I can see it. I can see it. I, I think right now he would probably be a better quarterback. Let's say he'd be a better backup quarterback in Tennessee than you know, if Malik Willis is quarterback too again, he'd be a better backup quarterback than Malik. That's just going based off his play from last year, but you know, that's the only evidence we have. So that's what we're going to roll with, but he'd be a better backup quarterback than of course, Josh Johnson. I mean, there, there are so many backup quarterback jobs out there that are held by guys that if they're inserted, they're not going to win you football games. And granted, not that a backup quarterback is supposed to do that when he has to come in, but your backup quarterback should at least be somewhat serviceable, I guess. It doesn't have to be insanely expensive, but just a guy that you know that can go out there, run the offense, or, yeah, run the offense and give you some quality snaps uh, in case your starting quarterback does go down. So, yeah, I agree with you on the backup quarterback aspect. He should be a backup quarterback somewhere, at least. He can still do that much, in my humble opinion. It It all comes down to whether he wants to be a backup or not. I mean, if he thinks that he he should be a starting caliber level NFL quarterback, I'm not sure where that spot is for him in the NFL right now. Um, the Commanders, uh, old coach Ron Rivera, 
that uh, I, they went with Jacoby Brissett, so that's probably out the door. But that would have made sense before. But unfortunately, Jacoby Brissett signed with them. So well, he, here's a team that's just a little bit of a pipe dream. Just because I think he'd get along with the coach. What about the Steelers? What about being Kenny Pickup's kind of veteran mentor? You could, you know, Cam's style has always been close to a Big Ben type. Like, if Kenny Pickett ever were to get hurt, the Steelers have some decent weapons. It's just a matter of the other big question around Cam Newton is, is his mobility still there? Because that's kind of what made him special. And what has gotten him killed is his inability to stay healthy. And if you can't get out of pressure in the pocket, then that more of a chance that you're not going to stay healthy. But yeah, that I, I just thought it was interesting that Cam Newton was back in our lives for a brief moment today. Yeah. It, yeah, and you're right on if Cam, it, it really, uh, the ball's in the court with Cam if he wants to be a backup quarterback. Um, maybe he's done some soul searching over this past year or two years even and realized that maybe he's just not a starting uh, quality quarterback in this league anymore and that he just have to simply accept a backup role just to stay in the league. So um, hopefully for Cam's sake that he's done that soul searching and come to that point so he can at least – be on our roster and be around um, an NFL or an, an NFL building, being around teammates, being around uh, staff, just being around the camaraderie that being on an NFL team gives and presents. So uh, I, I really want to see Cam back in the league because I grew up watching Cam. I love watching that man, Cam, dominate, play ball, uh, even to, even through, you know, the up and down seasons that he had in Carolina and, the, the weird switch to New England and going back to Carolina and then all the mess that's in, you know, ensued with that uh, as well. So um, hopefully for Cam's sake, he realized he's a backup at this point and that's the only way he can stay on the NFL roster, you know, not just this upcoming year, but maybe uh, for some more years ahead, if he does show that he can uh, be serviceable as a backup moving forward. Yeah. I think uh, those are all really good points by you as well. All right, let's get into it. Free agency, winners, losers. I guess first let's let's address this, and, and I'm sure we'll all address this again with the regular cast and crew, but the, the big story obviously was Aaron Rodgers. He says he intends to play for the Jets. Mm-hmm. Although that story is very weird now because it, it feels like, okay, we're now talking Monday at 10.02 Eastern time in at night and Aaron Rodgers is still a Green Bay Packer. Like he, he announced that more than a week ago. Like what do you think is going on between the Packers and Jets right now? Do you think a move here is imminent or what? What's happening here? Because to me, it's a little bit wild, and I'm not, I'm not gonna be like, oh man, let's talk about the Jets and their big potential now, until he's officially on the Jets roster. Because Aaron Rodgers is just a weird dude, and and invites weird situations, and I think this could get weird. Yeah, I think what's really going on with this Aaron Rodgers situation right now is that the Packers are trying to 
hold their ground and squeeze every bit of drop of leverage into the situation that they have. Um, a, a lot of people are or have been blinded by the fact that, yes, the Packers have somewhat publicly, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess you say publicly given off the notion that um, they want to move on from Aaron Rodgers and they want to start a new era with Jordan Love. Um, and that's blinding people into thinking, okay, the Packers have zero leverage. Absolutely not. Um, they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers for a mid-round pick uh, and maybe some extra draft compensation at best. But what Aaron Rodgers did to complicate the situation was that he went on the Pat McAfee show, um, gave this whole sort of story and whole sort of sabbatical about how his darkness retreat really opened up his mind and changed his desire from um, initially wanting to retire um, to going to wanting to play this upcoming season and maybe even beyond with the New York Jets. Well, that did complicated the situation with the Jets in terms of them um, having the leverage at that point. Um, once Aaron Rodgers came out with those comments, the Packers uh, can really just sit on their hands and say, look, New York, Aaron Rodgers wants to play for you. He's gone out in front of 400,000 people on a YouTube show uh, and has his comments have been seen by millions of people across Twitter, across any sort of social media platform website uh, that he wants to play for you. So if you want him, come get him. But it's not going to be by your price either. So what the Packers are doing are just sitting are just really just sitting at their desk, um, waiting on the Jets to submit to their demands because the Packers now have the leverage to do just that. So uh, until the Jets meet uh, the Packers asking price or the Packers drag this out um, and come to the nose, say, OK, we can't let this drag out any more than it's already been dragged out. Um, then we'll see a resolution. But until that happens, this is just going to be a bit of an impasse. And we're still going to see Aaron Rodgers, um, at least um, for now, on the Packers roster uh, for the upcoming season until he's probably inevitably traded to the Jets. But when will that happen? We just have we really have no idea at this point. Yeah. The Jets with Aaron Rodgers, of course, a player in the AFC. I don't know. Trey, this whole situation is just tough for me. I can't, I, I just don't want to talk about the Jets until this actually happens because yeah. Aaron Rodgers is such an enigma, such a weird dude, that if this really does get played out and the Packers dig their heels in, he'll just be like, and we get to draft time and this still isn't done which wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. He picks his heels and he'll, he'll just go retire. Like that's what he'll do. Like he's not going back to the Panthers, like Packers. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I just, I cannot talk about the jets or view the jets as some kind of a contender until Aaron Rodgers has physically been traded and is on the roster. And I, I kind of think there's like a 10% chance, maybe higher, maybe like 30% chance but it just doesn't happen because it's weird that it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it is weird. It's just a, a dumb situation, honestly, because I wanted to just hear him and get resolved. Cause I'm tired of hearing about it three times a day. So ooh, when will the Packers and Jets agree or finally agree to the terms to send Aaron Rodgers to the Jets? It's, 
it's ridiculous at this point. I just want it to be over with so we can get to our usual pre-draft stick where we obsess over prospects that we don't know if we're going to pan out or not. And then we get to the May and June and July phase where we just relax about football until the windup begins. But we can't have that, unfortunately, because Aaron Rodgers is taking up all the all the 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 room in the media talking sphere, unfortunately. Ooh, yeah. It feels like this keeps getting tiresome. But hey, at least this distracts us from Lamar Jackson watch, which will drag on more annoying. Which will drag on deep into the summer. For now, we can obsess on Aaron Rodgers' watch. Um all right. I want to ask, and and this is a good way to get into free agency winners and losers. Let's just talk about the Titans. Okay. I kind of I kind of see the Titans plan a little bit. I think trades will help clarify it, but I I think and tell me if I'm totally reading this wrong. I look at what the Titans have done, adding guys like Andre Dillard and Daniel Brunskill and earlier today, Sean Murphy Bunting. And I see a team that is trying to add starting caliber guys at low guaranteed prices Mm -hmm. in contracts they can get out of within the next six months to a year, which kind of tells me they might keep Ryan Tannehill around. I think they will trade Derrick Henry. I think they'll probably get a good offer for him. But to me, it seems like unless they get a another pick to move up for a quarterback with, they're kind of sticking with Ryan Tannehill next year. And we're just going to try to get a little bit healthier on defense, get hope, um, Traylon Burks develops on offense and kind of pray that the AFC South stays weak and may end up maybe tripping into the playoffs or they're bad enough where they end up with a top 10 pick in next year's draft. But it doesn't seem like they're committing to a lot right now and that they're just kind of waiting for the right trade for Derrick Henry because I, I really do think that is the first piece that has to move. Because if you move Derrick Henry and get, say, a high second-round pick for him or multiple second, third-round picks, then I think you can look at the roster and say, all right, who's quarterback needy as we get to draft time or after draft time or later in the first round or day two of the draft, and can we move Ryan Tannehill? That's kind of what this screams to me. None of these moves are the moves a team that thinks they're for sure going to make the playoffs makes, but they're just trying to remain competitive. And I still think next year might be kind of a rebuild, but it just just seems to me like they're waiting right now. Yeah. That's really what the whole idea is. See, cause uh, even if the Titans, um, you know, wanted to be insanely competitive this year in terms of aggressively adding talent to their roster, um, in terms of, you know, exercising their financial might, they weren't going to be able to do that this offseason. 
because one, their uh, cap situation is really, really bad for this year. Well, it was before they made some pretty obvious cap clearing moves like releasing Bud Dupree, uh, moving on from Taylor Lewan, moving on from Zach Cunningham, um, moving on from Robert Woods. Just getting rid of some guys that aren't productive or and or injury prone and just taking up gigantic space um, in terms of their cap bill. So that's what they did. So um, that's really the the um, reality of the situation here. Um, now, like you did say, they are making um, different moves here and there just to make sure they stay competitive this year because I, I think that's their whole M.O., at least now, just to try to stay competitive because I, I don't think the Titans want to be a team where they just effectively abandon the season just to try and tank and go get a quarterback. Um, number one, that's just not their DNA and who they are now, especially with Mike Vrabel um, and his competitive self coaching this team. And number two, is this team already isn't some crazy juggernaut in terms of popularity. So just sending that message that, hey, we're going to be non-competitive. We're just going to try to tank the season and get a quarterback. That just wouldn't reflect well on the fan base. And that would lead to um, some other complications that I'm sure the Titans don't want to face as well. So um, that's really just the whole idea and the whole reasoning behind what the Titans are doing this offseason. Next season, uh, I don't know. It might be weird. Um, because the Titans are gonna are scheduled, at least scheduled to have a lot of cap room. Um, you know, of course, with a whole lot of cap room that comes with some complications as well. The Titans are gonna have a whole bunch of players under contract next year. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why they're gonna have a lot of cap room for the summer of 2024. Um, but or excuse me, the spring of 2024. But even then they'll have cap room. Um, maybe they'll uh, like you said wander their way into a top 10 draft pick to where they can trade up to get uh, one of the two presumptive top two quarterbacks in the draft next year, one of which is Caleb Williams. The other is uh, Drake May of North Carolina. So uh, it, it's really just a fluid situation with the Titans at this point. Really the word that's been floating around the Titans so far this offseason is basically a retool instead of a rebuild. Um, just, just trying to plug in some different pieces uh, with, am with amicable talent, but at cheap prices so they can, like you said, stay competitive. So uh, it, it's really a fluid situation down here in Nashville. Um, I don't know really what to expect for this team this upcoming season, uh, especially considering that we haven't even gotten to the draft yet. We don't know what's going to happen uh, with the Titans and their draft plans. But for right now, based off their uh, approach to free agency, they're just really looking to plug in, fill some holes, and just uh, try to stay as cheap as possible so they can – keep their cap situation as fluid as possible this year. Mm, yeah, I, I think that all makes sense to me. It all, it all registers and computes. All right, let's talk about the rest of the league. Yep. Let me just ask you this, Trey. Yep. What's one team that you absolutely loved what they did in free agency? Um, it's actually kind of tough. I mean, there weren't a whole lot of quality free agents this cycle, um, you know, in just all positions across the board, not just, you know, um, the important ones, maybe like offensive line and wide receiver. It's just there wasn't a lot of quality free agents. 
Uh, that's tough. I mean, maybe if I have to say one team, it would probably be the you you really putting me on the spot because free agency was just so underwhelming in terms of talent. You know, I'll just go to easy route and I'll say the Bears. The Bears really had an easy route for free agency, had a boatload of cap room, had tons of holes to fill on both sides of the ball. So they didn't really have to try too hard in terms of finding the guys uh, to fill those holes. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, they signed freaking Tremaine Edmonds, Tremaine Edmonds, excuse me, TJ Edwards. Um, those are just two really, really good linebackers that can help uh, fill the void that was left by um, Roquan Smith and just replace some of the bad talent that they had at the linebacker core after they traded Roquan Smith. So um, I, I like what they did in terms of rebuilding their linebacker core with proven veterans and guys that can produce early. Um, aside from that, they did lose David Montgomery, but they um, still have some pretty good um, a pretty good foundation for their running game as well. They brought over David Moore, or excuse me, not David Moore, DJ Moore, um, in that trade with the Panthers for the number one overall pick, which, I mean, probably the best trade of the offseason so far, considering that they obviously had one of the biggest holes at wide receiver across the entire league, and they got an extra first-round pick, multiple other picks, and, you know, just a bona fide proven wide receiver one. That's all you could really ask for at this point. So I'm kind of excited and interested to see what they do moving forward just because they had a pretty interesting free agency period this offseason, and they have some pretty interesting draft picks for the upcoming draft as well. So I'll just say the Bears uh, because no other team really just stood out to me, I guess you could say. Yeah. You know, I disagree on the Bears, and and I, I agree with your overall sentiment that the, the class was mid. But honestly, the Bears – okay, the Bears did something which was good. They had to. They had a lot of cap space. But, like, are you really telling – I don't know. You know this, Trey. And, and tell me if you agree or not. The most annoying Twitter fan base is Bears fans, by far. I say Eagles. Oh, uh, no. There's no one worse than Bears fans to me. They all think that their front office is winning all the time. He, here's what doesn't make sense to me. You give Tremaine Edmonds $72 million and you sign TJ Edwards to a $12 million guaranteed contract. Yet you couldn't re-sign Roquan Smith? Like, well, I mean, is Roquan Smith really better than Edmonds and Edwards combined? Yes, definitely. He was arguably the all-pro and middle linebacker this year. He was so good on the Ravens. They could have I mean, easily kept him for those numbers, and they just let him walk. I don't think so, man. It's more about just getting more. Look, I look. I get the the idea of falling in love with Roquan Smith because he's such a physical presence at linebacker that has some real good athleticism as well. But I mean, you got T.J. Edwards who isn't on an, a crazy expensive deal. I know it's twelve mil guarantee, but it's only three years. Uh, so um, I'm not sure how the deal is structured, but with 12 mil guaranteed, either the Bears spread it out or they uh, constructed the contract of probably in a way that where they can get out of it if they simply want to. The Edmonds deal is a little bit more of a question mark, but I think they're just banking on Edmonds just being the player that he was in Buffalo, which, of course, is a <clears throat> taller 
in a little bit more athletic version of Roquan Smith with some potential upside that he can start making more splash plays, um, whether that's in coverage or that's just um, on the field, across the field as well. So uh, depending on just how these signings pan out, of course, it could all turn out to be a situation where they could have just kept Roquan Smith. But I like Edmonds. I like Edwards. I, I like the potential output those two can give. Um, over just one Roquan Smith, I guess you could say. It might have been a little bit more expensive, but with the cap space that they have, that they had, um, I mean, why not? So, uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that's a, that's a good, that's a good point. That's just really where I'm coming from at that point. So. Yeah. Can you give me a, a second to pause this for a second, Trey? I got to take a call really quick. Yeah. Yeah, Trey, I know it's kind of hard to talk about this free agency class. I, I get that. It, it it was kind of just a mid-class in general, and you, you got to take the, the wins where you get them. Let me just say, if there was... A team I really thought won, you know, th this free agency class. I think it'd be a division. I, I I really like what the NFC South did. I don't know about you, but you know, the 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 Atlanta Falcons kept their guards. They kept Lorenzo Carter. They added David Yamato, who's a good kind of piece. Um, Mike Hughes, decent quarterback, cornerback, but then the big one for them, their secondary has been so mid and so bad for so long. They add Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates is an all pro level safety. Very good. We know how good free safety play can change the defense very quickly. I, I just really like what the Falcons did this off season. And even if they don't go after Lamar Jackson, which I think they should, but who knows, I guess. They're not going to having Taylor Heineke as your backup plan behind seeing what you have in Desmond Ritter just isn't a terrible idea, especially when you have all your picks next year. And we believe there are some good quarterbacks in that draft class as well. And hey, who knows, maybe, maybe someone falls to them where, um, where, where they picked this year. So I, I, I don't know. I, I like what the Falcons did. I love what the saints did. I mean, you, you upgraded quarterback. You bring in Jamal Williams, who just an absolutely fantastic player in back, and you kind of keep your defensive players intact. You extend Jawan Johnson, who is good and, and shows flashes for them, and you keep Michael Thomas around to see if he can put it together for a season. I like what they did. And then, I don't know, like the Panthers – they got kind of frisky. Like they didn't, they traded away DJ Moore and then they went out, they signed Miles Sanders, they signed Adam Thielen, they bought in Hayden Hurst. I know they gave up some picks to get to one, but you draft the right quarterback and you draft maybe a wide receiver in the later rounds. And I don't know, this is a team that could compete for the division very quickly if the quarterback turns out right. And then 
the Bucks. They convinced Levante David to stay. They added Greg Gaines, who is a very good defensive tackle. And their their plan is kind of Baker Mayfield, plus maybe draft somebody as well. I just don't hate what the NFC South did as a whole. I thought all those teams did really, really well. Yeah, it's more so following a theme that they didn't do too much in terms of quality, but the um, in terms of quantity, excuse me, but the quality that they did show off in terms of their moves was pretty shrewd and, and pretty impressive. I will say, I know I was active on Twitter about this, and I, I, I'm excited about the idea of Jonu Smith being in Atlanta. Um, I, I know the, that offense just hasn't been good and has some holes, but I, I am um, fully on board with the idea of spamming and maximizing two tight end sets down there in Atlanta with Jonu Smith and Kyle Pitts. Those two are both athletic specimens. Jonu Smith is still a really, really good blocker to have at tight end, as well as being a good receiver, despite the numbers and the underwhelming numbers that he had in New England with the Patriots. So I, I am ex- pretty interested to see how that move pans out because, you know, I am experienced in watching Arthur Smith offenses and um, him using two tight end sets. I, I think he'll be more open to using those, knowing that he has those two really intriguing athletic freaks over there tight end this year. Yeah, I, I think that that's another good point. I like Arthur Smith a lot as well. I, I think he could develop the Falcons into something pretty great. I think another move I really liked, I just wrote down five guys that I loved. And and let, let me just read this off to you here. Uh, as I pull up. Oh, here we go. Free agents, I love it. Okay, one, Juju to New England. Let's just talk about what the Patriots did. Yeah. They they upgraded at wide receiver by letting Jacoby Myers walk. I'm sorry. I've seen a lot of Jacoby Myers love on Twitter over the past few days. I absolutely do not understand that. Jacoby Myers is a mid-NFL wide receiver who doesn't produce at a very high level. Juju Smith-Schuster is a perfect number two This sets up really nicely for them to trade maybe a second-round pick for a guy like Nuke Hopkins or one of these guys that's available on the trade market right now, or if they wanted to go to Denver or Cortland Sutton maybe, to really shore up and and fix their offense. They bring in Mike Gusecki, who's a really good player and who I really think the Patriots will maximize. James Robinson is not a bad back to have. They can draft someone as well, and they still have Ramadre. They upgrade at offensive tackle a little bit. I just really, they kept Jonathan Jones at a cheap Patriots-type deal after they let, you know, J.C. Jackson walk last offseason. They had Jabril, they keep Jabril Peppers, Jabril Peppers just, Fitz is a Patriot. I just really love what the, the Patriots have done. And and they're really a good first-round draft pick and a trade for a guy like for a wide receiver away from being very competitive in the AFC East, I think. Yeah. I mean, those are some, like, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of this free agency period was based on the idea of making some shrewd moves 
to upgrade rosters. Not you know, maybe not in terms of quantity in terms of the financials and everything, but in terms of just getting really good players um on the quality scale for cheap prices. So um really good business across the league. Um as a whole, but you know, you mentioned the Patriots now, so make some real good business as well. They can find another wide receiver, um, just to add to this offense. I I think the offense is gonna be much better this year. Now that they don't have a literal penguin calling plays on the sidelines, they actually have Bill O'Brien, who isn't a bad play caller at all. Um, it's just the managerial side that he's has that he has a lot of questions with. Um, I, I think that offense takes some pretty good steps some pretty good steps forward this year. Um, it becomes a respectable unit. Um, whoops, excuse me. <laughs> it becomes a respectable unit that can really threaten some defenses if they get another wide receiver as well. Because just Juju Smith-Schuster and um, the rest of the guys that they have now just isn't going to cut it. But if they can add another wide receiver, now I think this offense could be actually somewhat enjoyable to watch this upcoming season. Yeah, I, I I agree. The Bills pick up Damian Harris. That's not bad. I still think they could be in the market for a running back, obviously. And the, that's pretty much the AFC East. I also really liked uh, Orlando Brown to the Bengals, although I understand he kind of bounces around at this point, which is a little bit confusing. For a left tackle of his quality, I'm not sure if he's the best offensive tackle, but he's certainly better than known terrible left tackle, Jonah Williams. So, to me, I, I like the Orlando Brown to Cincinnati move. No, I don't like it either. I know a lot of those people were spamming to respect or protect your burr. Well, I, I liked the move, actually. No, it's no. Look, okay, it's look. Clear, for the, it's a clear for the play- upgrade over Jonah Williams. Okay, you for the player Williams itself, that's that's. Orlando totally Brown different. is like ten times better than Jonah Williams. Okay, chill out. Maybe not ten. I'll say five. Okay, I'm, I'm say just five. saying he, he's a lot better than Jonah Williams. Right, look, if a lot better is five times better than sure, that's fine. But if you're looking for maybe. You know, given all that money, especially you know, in terms of the guarantees given to a player that really the Chiefs just didn't mind letting leave at all. Um, for good reason too. He just wasn't all that good last year, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know. Look, I mean look, if he's an upgrade over Jonah Williams and he probably is, then that's fine, sure. But for the money, and I'm I know people say, Well, if you can get the player, it doesn't matter about the money. I'm not that type of person. Um, I, I'm I'm all about having good business and making sure I get that player for a price that makes sense for both sides. That price didn't make sense for the Bengals. Um, it made sense for Orlando Brown, who was looking for a big deal after not playing well last year. Um, but look, the Bengals are doing what they think is best for their team in terms of protecting Joe Burrow moving forward. So that's what they want to conclude that you're, hey, I, I'm not going to blame them. But me, I am. I'm going to say that that move was maybe a little too out of pocket in terms of the money. Yes, indeed. Let's talk about the next signing on my list. CJ Gardner-Johnson to the Lions. This just gives me 
a chance to talk about the Lions really quickly. I understand people view them as big winners. And I do too. You know, the C.J. Gardner-Johnson move kind of flipped me. But, like, what are you doing letting Jamal Williams walk out the door? Like, the Saints did not pay him that much money. He He's making $4 million a year, basically, right now. And he said the Lions offer was insulting to him. Well, like, what are you doing, Dan Campbell? Like, he is just such a clear Dan Campbell glue guy. And to just let him walk for nothing is absolutely crazy to me. I thought that was the worst move in the entire league in free agency. David Montgomery is just a guy. He is such an average running back. He is not that good at all. He has like two nice games a year. Like, what are we doing here? Why are you clearly downgrading at a position where you need depth because you know DeAndre Swift cannot stay healthy? It tells me in the draft they have to love a guy. I hope they go after a guy like B. John Robinson. They have a lot of picks. They have a lot of high-value, high-quality picks. I think they'll be fine in the end, but that made no sense to me. But you bring in Cam Sutton. You bring in C.J. Gardner-Johnson. You bring in Emmanuel Mosley, who's who's a good mid-level cornerback. I don't know. No. Yes, I... the Lions were winners, but do you understand what I'm saying? I just did not understand that at all. Like, he was a huge part of why that offense was really good last year, and yeah. they just let him out the building for no money. You couldn't have paid him $4 million a year? Yeah. I When I saw that David, they had let you know, Williams go just to sign David Montgomery, I was really confused as well. Because, you know, for the past four, maybe I would say for the first – uh, two and a half, three months. I was watching a lot of Bears games, and you know, I was watching David Montgomery, and I just thought this guy simply just doesn't have it. I mean, sure, maybe he can be an NFL quality running back for someone else, but for the money he was asking for, I mean, no. Um, like you say, Jamal Williams really just—he was Detroit. He was new era Detroit Lions football in one single person. He had such. Um, a high motor, really tough runner. And plus, he was a character as well. It really just um, pasculated just what Dan Campbell and that new regime of Detroit is trying to build for the Lions now and moving forward. So just don't know why they let him go. Don't know why they offered him um, a quote-unquote insulting deal. Um, because that's, like you said, that's a glue guy. That's a guy you want, you know, for your culture. It's not like he's old or anything. He's still relatively um i don't know how old he is but he's not freaking old man he can still give you some good um some good years and he can still provide some good service to deandre swift or like he did last season be the lead back uh because deandre swift um is always injury prone and the lions prefer jamal williams his tough bruising running style more over uh swift so i i, I just don't know I, I really don't know why uh I really don't know what I, I don't know why they just let him go, but at the end of the day it is what it is. So Yeah, just a really confusing move to me. So that that's just why to me they weren't huge. I, I had Jesse Bates to the Falcons as well. I I do want to give some love to two NFC West teams that I think got better. Seahawks, Niners, Niners got the best player on the market, Javon Hargraves. We we said that 
this was a middling free agent class. Javon Hargrave is a very, very good player. He is a very, very good pass rusher, and he finally adds some more of that depth that we have come to be used to from the Niners last year. They weren't as deep as they'd like to be. They went out, they addressed that, they got the best guy on the market. Pretty, pretty good signing by them. They also brought in Claylin Farrell, who had had some nice moments over the past year with the Raiders. I, I really like that move from them as well. And then the one that, that makes just a lot of sense to me, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold in a Kyle Shanahan system. Brock Purdy, I don't think he's going to be ready for opening day. If he just had Tommy John surgery, there's no way he's ready in September. Who knows what Trey Lance looks like. Trey, let me just ask you this. It just feels inevitable, right? We're on our way to like a Monday night football game between who who, who I want to see Rams opponents this year. Or I mean Niners opponents this year. Niners opponents 2023. Is that I, I can almost feel the game. I can almost feel it. Yes, I knew it. I knew they were playing the NFC South. Doesn't this just feel like a night in crisp, clear Santa Clara where it's probably Thursday night football on Amazon Prime in like week nine and it's Baker Mayfield versus Sam Darnold and Sam Darnold lights it up for the 49ers, throws for like 360 yards and three touchdowns, and everyone's like, wow, look at Sam Darnold. He really made it in this league after so many years. I, I just feel like we're destined towards that one glorious night of Sam Darnold. I'm excited to see Sam Darnold play at least two or three games because that's how the Niners quarterback room works. I, in the Kyle Shanahan system, I think he is a perfect quarterback for that system. I think he could make himself a lot of money this year. Yeah, it depends. Um, I'm I'm not really fully on board with that unless I see it happen first. But it's it's not a crazy. I thing. mean, every other every other Kyle Shanahan quarterback does it. If Brock Purdy can do it in that system, so can Sam Darnold. Yeah, but Sam Darnold has the bozo gene, man. I think Kyle Shanahan has a way of. So does Jimmy G. That is true. I mean, he 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 made Jimmy G look pretty good for a while. That's also uh, true. You know what? You're right. I, I, you you can't just see it some random Thursday night or Monday night game where I Sam Darnold it. just lights up the league and everyone's like, "What a nice moment for Sam Darnold." I can see it. Yeah, to me, uh, I I really like that. And then the Seahawks. Seahawks just made smart moves. Locked up Geno Smith for a team-friendly deal. Brought back Drew Locke as a backup. Yeah. Signed Draymond Jones, who is a really underrated defensive tackle. A super underrated defensive tackle. The Broncos should have re-signed him. They, the deal that Seattle gave him was just not that expensive. The Broncos could have afforded it, and they didn't. That was so stupid. The Seahawks are way better up front now with Draymond Jones. He is an upgrade on Shelby Harris, who they cut. 
They bring back Jerron Reed. I like the Seahawks a lot. I like the Seahawks a lot, Trey. And if they do anything positive in the draft, I'm probably ready by August to call the Seahawks the second best roster in the NFC. Jeez, that's bold. I haven't looked at all the rosters. I, but, I mean, roster. look at the other rosters. Understandable, though. Like, Gino played at a top 10 level last year, sometimes at a top 5 level. If he can carry that over, they have the weapons, they have a great defense, they have Kenneth Walker. Their offensive line is suddenly very good with Charles Cross going into year two. If they draft yeah. well again, they could be scary, scary next year in a wide-open conference. I don't think they're at the Eagles level yet, but I, I, I think they could be right under it. Yeah, understandable, I guess. I'll just roll with your side adjustment for this, though. Okay. Understandable. Some of the moves I didn't like as much. Jacoby Myers to the Raiders. We talked about that a little yep. bit. Also, Jimmy G to the Raiders. Like, I get it. Like, you're poor. You can't really do anything. You hope a quarterback falls to you. But, like, Jimmy G is such a downgrade on Derek Carr. Even yeah. Derek Carr last year is a massive upgrade on Jimmy G. Like, I I don't know what the Raiders are expecting. That whole franchise is just such an absolute tire fire I'm right sure now. Fire. They they signed OJ Howard today, which I guess okay. I didn't love that. Juwan Taylor to the Chiefs just because they lost out on Laramie Tunsil, who resigned with the Texans. Juwan Taylor. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Juwan Taylor? His stats uh. didn't look good to me. He seems like a penalty machine which is allegedly the reason they wanted to move on from Orlando Brown. It seems like they made a lateral move at tackle. doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. And Maybe they lost they... Juju. I thought that, let me just say, I thought the Chiefs were massive losers of free agency. And I know Bradford's going to come back at me on this, but he's not on this podcast. They lost Juan Thornhill, Juju Smith-Schuster, Orlando Brown. They lost Frank Clark. They cut... They lost a ton of talent, and they didn't replace any of it. Mm-hmm. They're probably planning on doing that through the draft like they usually do. Uh, in terms of Jawan Taylor, um, they probably see him on the on the right side, or at least for their sake, I hope they do. He's not a good left tackle. Um, I, I, if they, I think they can still find a left tackle somewhere, um, or unless they plan to stick jawan taylor on the left i don't know it's just you're right it's a weird situation for them what they're going through right now a lot of roster turnover just trying to plug in uh trying to plug in some different pieces in in terms of young guys and cheap veterans that can help fill out the roster right now um that's probably expected you know considering that their cap situation is fluid each and every single year uh but yeah i I don't know it's weird for you when you see for the chiefs man Maybe the draft will help change the narrative of their offseason, but if it doesn't, then we'll just be I'm looking just so back. sick and tired of Chiefs fans, Trey. I mean, I, <laughs> I like I cannot even verbalize it. This fool Bradford coming on this podcast saying the Chiefs will probably win 15 games next year. What are you talking about? You play in the hardest conference in the entire league. Your roster got notably worse. 
you're telling me Kadarius Tony is going to be a viable and healthy number one yeah. option mm-hmm. for an entire season? That is absolute malarkey. There is no way the Chiefs finish with 15 wins next year. And I'll go a step further. There is no way the Chiefs are the one seed in the AFC next year. There are going to be bigger and better teams than them. What are we even talking about here? This is just ridiculous. The amount of slack they get. They have lost everyone. I refuse to believe that this is a number one seed. It just will not be. So. That, okay. <laughs> that, that's just that's just something that's been on my nerve. Uh Bears moves talked about those. David Montgomery didn't didn't love that. Jeez. This is this is more for Bradford and Mason because I'm sure they'll make fun of me for it. What'd you think of the Broncos moves? I mean, everyone everyone told me that they had an awful free agency, but I just don't see it that way. They signed uh, Ben Powers, who was a really good player for the Ravens, and they signed Mike McGlinchey, who is a definite upgrade and the best right tackle they've had in like five years. And analysts seem to love Zach Allen. People who watched the Cardinals a lot last year seem to think Zach Allen is an extremely talented edge player. They keep Alex Singleton. They probably paid him too much. They bring in Jared Stidham as a backup. A big problem last year was the protection. And a lot of the sacks Russell Wilson took were on Russell Wilson. I get that. That's just part of the deal with Russell Wilson. But they did their best to give him the best options available. And they didn't lose anyone that is absolutely going to kill them. Now, the talk, Trey, that they're out here shopping Jerry Judy and or Cortland Sutton, that makes no sense to me. Why, why are you giving Russell Wilson less weapons? That doesn't make any sense to me. But I understand the Sean Payton vision. He wants to make sure the offensive line isn't an issue. Maybe they'll take a running back late in the draft to deal with this Javante Williams injury, which seems like it's going to bleed into early 2023. And maybe they'll just be a run first team with play action like Russell Wilson was so successful with in Seattle. I don't know. And and if it doesn't pay out, plan pan out, they got Jared Stidham, who showed some flashes and is a good backup to have. I don't yeah. know. I just don't hate the Broncos moves. I know that I am so negative about the Broncos, and I know no one wants me to be happy in this entire earth, including everyone who is ever on this podcast and talking with me about the Broncos. But I just feel good about this one Broncos offseason moment you know this Trey this is the only time of year I feel happy about my team please Uh, (laughs) please just give me this one moment I will I will and I do agree Broncos did make some good moves it's only hope that the draft with you know the little draft capital that they have can maximize the rest of the roster and give them um some momentum to be good in 2023 so yeah Let's let's hope let's hope you find some happiness with the Broncos for the first time in years, Eric. I'm rooting for you. All right, we'll let you get out of here, Trey. I did want to mention one thing. I wanted to talk about some of the most recent signings today, and those came from the Texans. I just wanted to touch on this really quickly. Yeah. Resign Laramie Tunsil, which is good. Laramie Tunsil is the best left tackle in the entire NFL, and you locked him up. For basically the rest of his prime. 
very smart, very good move by them. They add Robert Woods, who had some injury issues. I know you're probably not a huge fan of him because of the way things ended with the Titans, but Robert Woods can be a good veteran wide receiver. Yeah, if he's not asked to play against press man covers, man. Okay, they they get rid of Brandon Cooks, which Brandon Cooks didn't want to be there, but they bring in Dalton Schultz, who is, I think, a top five receiving tight end. No, no, I agree. He's a very good player. They bring in Shaq Mason, who mm-hmm. was very good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, they bring in as well earlier today, Devin Singletary, who is just a solid player and gives you 4.5 yards per carry basically every season, which is just a good running back to have. Yep. You can't tell me they have so many picks. You can't tell me if they don't take Bryce Young with the second overall pick, plus a wide receiver with wherever they pick in the 15-16 range. You can't tell me that this offense won't at least be a little bit spicy next year. I'm not saying anything crazy, but this is a super weak division. They could definitely, if they draft the right guys, win like between six and eight games next year. I just don't think that's crazy to say. I still say maybe around five to seven. But okay. seven is the absolute maximal floor because we just – this is still a, a pretty – What if Grace Young is really good? They have everything in place. The offensive line in place, The offensive line is very, very good. That's all Bryce Young really needs. I still don't agree, man. I'll just have to believe it until – Noah Brown, I'm just seeing this now. They bring in Noah Brown. I don't hate uh, Noah Brown. I'm not – Noah Brown, that doesn't move the needle, man. I know, but I just like what the Texans have done. I, I think it's understandable. Of course. I don't think they'll finish it. I don't. Let me just say this: I don't think they'll finish dead last in the game. No, they won't. I think the Colts finished dead last this year. Yeah, I, yeah. I think... Look, the Colts. I mean, not the Colts. The Texans aren't gonna be good per se this year. They'll show some flashes and they'll show some growth because that's what they've been doing over the past couple of years. They'll do that this year, but I think their calling card is really next season, not this upcoming season, but the season after this upcoming season and the season after that. Because they they have some young talent, and if they draft well, which they have been doing. They have been doing, I will say that. I know I said they haven't been drafting well, but after watching them play, um, I think they've drafted good, I guess you could say. If they can continue to draft well, then they'll be a force to reckon with in the AFC South moving forward. Um, and that's all you can ask for with a horrible situation that really what uh, Casario and the rest of the organization took on when they fired Bill O'Brien and the whole Deshaun Watson saga started. So, Yep. All right, dude. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for coming back on. Where no can people find some of your work this offseason? Uh, really? I just haven't been, I haven't wrote anything since February, early February, man. That's I've okay. Been I've been working, man. Got school, bro. But if you want to see me, just tweet about anything. You can find me on Twitter at Trey Watkins 099. 
um, that's really all I'm doing right now. Just working, trying to live, man. Trying to be an adult, bro. <laughs> so that, Same, that's just, man. Just point. Well, thank thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Always good to talk with you, Trey. No problem, man. Appreciate we will it. we will see you guys later this week. Uh, if I can get Mason and Brad lined up, we might do something Wednesday. If not, expect to hear back from us on Sunday. Until then, we will see you next week. Peace.